Psachim Kuv Gimel Amar Aleph. The Gemara says Rav Amar Yain Kiddush Ner Havdala. When Matzah Shabbos is Yamtif, Sunday is Yamtif. So for Matzah Shabbos, you say Havdala for Shabbos in the Kiddush, but you don't make a Bayrim in Ebesamim. So Taisus asks, why not? So Taisus says. Yamtif does not have an Ashami Yasera, so Lachari should make a Barimin Ibsamim Shabbos. So Taisi says, even though Yamtif does not have an Ashami Yasera, but Simchas Yamtif does the same thing that Bissamim would accomplish. Bissamim accomplish means, oh my goodness, Shabbos is gone, I need something to fortify me, grab some Bissamim. says, Yamtif fortifies you. So when Sunday is Yamtif, you don't need to make a Barimin Ibsamim. But Taisi says, but Yamtif itself has no Nishami Yasera, but the Simchas Yamtif fortifies you. And that's how the you don't make a bracha on the lapsamim. And Ramagan Avram says in Toph Tzadik Aleph Aleph, the lek in the Shami is Seirah Biyamtif. Vahadein Mivarachin. Shimchas Yamtif mez meshiv the nefesh. Now, in the Sefer Amunim B'tachel Ramban, he has a fascinating different answer. He says, Yamtif also has an Shami Yaseirah. So he asks, if Yamtif, every Yamtif has an Ashami Yasera, and that's why you don't make a Barmini Psamim Matzah Shabbos, because Yamtif, the Shamri Yasera stays for Yamtif. He says, Sir, why Matzah Yamtif? You should need a bar mineb samim to escort out the neshama yaseira of Yamtif. So the Ramban says that Yamtif's neshama yaseira never leaves. It stays with you throughout the year, different than the neshama yaseira of Shabbos. And the Achreinim explain why. He says, because the Nishami Yaseira of Shabbos, Shabbos, it's Kiddushasa, it's Kviyavakaima. We didn't make it. Whatever Kiddush it has, Rabbi Nishayla made. When Shabbos goes away, it's Neshama goes away. But he says, Yamtif, all Yamtivim is Makadesh Yisrael, and the Yisrael are Makadesh Desmanim. We create Yamtif. So he says, what we create stays with us. The Neshama Yaseira stays with us the rest of the year. What does that mean? That means every Yamtif we aspire to reach certain kedushas, certain understandings. On Purim, what did we have? We took away from Machia Samalik, we spoke about destroying that naysayer in us, that voice in our head that attacks our ability, our desire, our drive, our ambition to move forward. On Purim, we spoke about how Esther, she uncorked when she finds her mission, the lion in her, its roar is finally heard. And we dive in on Purim. May the Rabbi Nishalom give us the energy to uncork, to let the lion, the roar that we have. And these kedushas that we take out of the Yamtif, that we struggle with to come to understand in the Yamtif, they can last way further than the Yamtif. So the Ramban argues on Taisis and the Shulchan Aruch, and he says the reason Avadi says Yamtif has a Nishami Yaseira, but the Nishami Yaseira of Yamtif, the joy of Purim, could last you till next Purim. Whatever youth we capture on Pesach, whatever the Kedushas we will speak about, the Kedusha Pesach, that can last till the next year. So therefore, it has a Nishami Yaseira, but it never leaves us. Chiddush of the Ramban. This week is Parshas Para. According to many Rishonim, it's a Daraisa. It's one of the two Kriyas that are Daraisa, Chiyas Amalek and uh, Para. And even though it says, Omarti it's one of the Sisrei Taira, we do see that Kadmonim try to find a reason. And let me share with you a thought. The Para Duma represents the perfect creation, the perfect force of nature. It was beautiful. It was once in many generations, there were only seven from the beginning of time till the end of time that were ever found and were nikrav. It could never do like oil, oil, oil. It couldn't be, couldn't have more than a few black hairs, etc. Presented something fantastic and perfect. And then it's nikrav and all that's left are its ashes. What's the message of the paraduma? 
Every one of us once had some perfect dream, something beautiful that we loved, that was amazing, that was very valuable. Dhamma Benassin had the most precious stone in the world. He didn't sell it, he got the paraduma, something amazing. And then it's destroyed. It could be, it could be somebody we loved, it could be a love, it could be some dream, an aspiration, and it's gone and all that's left are its ashes. How do we deal with that? How does the Jew deal with that? What do we do with the ashes of the Paraduma? Do we bury them? No. We convert the ashes into pure energy. The energy of the Paraduma, that thing that we lost, can do something that nothing else can do. It could be Metahir. It could ascend heights only available to us through the ashes of the Paraduma. Let me give you one or two examples. I had on my program a Rabbi Eckstein. He shared with us a tragic and amazing story. He said, I got married, had a baby. Around 10 or 11 months old, we took the baby to the doctor. He was acting strangely. The doctor inspected him. The doctor turned white, ran out of the room, brought back another doctor. They whispered finally. They said to us, we have bad news. Your child has Tay-Sachs, a dreaded incurable disease. All the children die before five or six years old. The doctor advised them to bring the baby to a hospital in Brooklyn that had a huge Tay-Sachs ward that they were able to get him into, and ultimately the child would stay there till it passed away. He said a year later, we had another child. At 10, 11 months, the child started acting strangely. We brought him back to the doctor. The doctor looked at it and said, this one too has Tay-Sachs. This was repeated a third time. He was, couldn't get out of bed for six months. He was so sick. Then he got up and he, you know, Rabbi Eckstein said, I want to make sure that no other Jewish child ever gets Tay-Sex. He converted it into energy and he started Dar Yasharim. He said on our program, he said, I was there last year when this hospital in Brooklyn, that there used to be a long line to get into because the children stayed there for a number of years, they padlocked it. Because there were no more children, Jewish children with Tay-Sachs. He had eradicated the disease. That's turning ashes into energy. In our lives, sometimes the things that pain us the most turn into our energy. I'll share with you a story. It may be apocryphal, but it's very powerful. They say there was a boy. He wanted to be a lone soldier in Israel. So he left his home of someplace in Tallahassee, flew to Israel, became a member of the armed forces. One day he was riding his, his half-track someplace in Lebanon. He went over a mine. It blew up, and his right arm was blown off. They rushed him back by helicopter to Echelov. They sewed up his sh shoulder, the stump. He was left with a stump. They gave him a bunch of medals. And a one-armed soldier doesn't have much use. So he went back to Tallahassee. He went to university. And he was the nebbish on the campus, you know, testosterone-fueled environment. Somebody with one arm. He didn't want to be a nebbish. So he finds his karate teacher, judo teacher, to teach him judo. And he teaches them. He says, I would love to compete. And the judo teacher says, listen, for a one-armed guy, you're not bad. You can't compete. So this guy goes online. He finds an old Korean expert. He says, can you teach me to compete? He says, I teach you. Come every day. Every day for six months, he comes. And he says, there's one move I want you to practice again and again and again. And he does. Finally, the Korean guy says, you're good enough to compete. 
goes back to the college. He says, look, we're playing Memphis in two weeks. I want to compete. And the wrestling coach says, look, you're good. This judo coach, you're good, but you can't compete. Come on. This, this guy says, listen, if you don't let me compete, I'm going to call the NAACP, the handicap. Tomorrow you'll have half of the press of the United States outside the co- this college. You're not letting me compete. So he calls up. President says, look, the guy wants to compete. Tight me sugar. So let him compete. So there's a judo match and usually a hundred people show up here. Everybody hears the one-armed judo guy comes. A thousand people show up. This guy from Memphis comes out. It's the first round. He says, look, I'm going to let you stay on your feet for a few minutes. I understand you want to make a point about being handicapped. So I applaud you, but then you'll fall down and, you know, we'll be done. So he's first round, second round. The guy from Memphis says, okay, time to knock you down. He tries to knock him down. He struggles, knocks him down. The ref comes running over. He says to the guy with one arm, you made your point. Can I call the match? He says, no. Third round, the guy from Memphis, he's really good. He tries again, knocks him down and again. The ref says, I want to stop. He says, no. In the fourth round, the one-armed guy, he sees an opening to do his move, does the move, and the guy goes flying in there, lands on his head, knocks him out, and they raise the one-armed guy's hand, and everybody's cheering. Afterwards, the match, he goes over back to his Korean Rebbe, over to his Korean master, and he says, why is that the move that you told me to practice again and again and again? So the old Korean guy looks at him, and he says, oh, that move? Only way, stop that move, grab opponent's right arm which he didn't have, obviously. What's the story of the Paraduma, the Jewish way? If chas v'shalem, rachman v'shalem, we lose something, something really precious. One thing to do is to bury it and cry and be done. And there's another way is, how do I convert that into pure energy? How do I convert that into something? Give me the ability to do something I never would have been able to do before. That's the message of the Paraduma. Use the ashes to be metayer, something that nothing else in creation can do.